It's the ABC's High School Teachers Really Need to Know, episode number 24, X-Ray All Your Preconceptions. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe, or buy the books on Amazon.com. It is good to be back with you on this day. Uh, And by the way, you're not uh, listening to somebody who has sat in for Matt Bermucci. It is me. Uh, I sound a little bit uh, under the weather, I am sure. I'm battling a little bit of a head cold. Uh, So I apologize for that. Uh, But it is me, and it is good to be back with you. Uh, So this week's episode is, um, you know, here we are on the letter X, and, you know, I, I think I may have mentioned this before, but, you know, I just didn't, you know, have to struggle to come up with an X. I, I, I knew that I wanted to talk about, um, you know, being able to push back your preconceptions um, uh, and when, when being a teacher, right? Because uh, part of what we like to do a lot uh, as as humans is we stereotype or or we crystal ball, as I like to say. You know, we crystal ball students' abilities or uh, what what the experience with them is going to be like, or you know, and we do that through a lot of our di- different facets of our lives. And um, and so, in coming up with this episode, I. I you know, I came to that notion that, hey, you know, I, I want to talk about the importance of looking past those things. And so that's where uh, I came up with the, with, with the, just that idea of X-raying through all of the stereotypes and all of the preconceptions that we have um, and in order to be more effective teachers. Um, you know, and, and, and teachers are superheroes. I mean, we are. I just, uh, you know, and that's may sound like a humble brag, but so be it. I mean, I think I think we're superheroes. And I've, I've said that a couple of different times over the course of this podcast. Um, just just being honest with, with you, we, we do a job that not many can do. Um, the demand for our time and our hearts is never ending and the pay is atrocious. Let's just bring that down to brass tacks. It's atrocious. But no matter what, we just forge ahead because we love students. We believe in them and we want to see them succeed. Um, one of these insurance companies, and I can't remember off the top of my head, had this commercial um, talking about serving healthcare providers and educators. Um, that was the crux of what their business was. And they had that slogan, and, and you probably can Google them. I can't remember what they are, but they're, you know, serving those who serve others. And, and, and I think I always come back to teaching with that along with our, you know, healthcare workers and frontline workers and all those folks out there, uh, particularly right now. Um, but but always right and and teachers are right in the middle and and if anything you know and not to get too far off topic from what I want to talk about but if the pandemic showed us anything it's the value of teachers and uh, we've known that right but uh, I think maybe reminded those uh, that uh, didn't really uh, know our value or had forgotten our value uh, I think that's one positive that came out of it I, I think that teachers uh, and and their role in society their ability to touch the lives of those they work with um, was really underscored by the pandemic and you know it, it's important to kind of you know again pound your chest and, and be proud of those things we're heroes uh, we are, but of course, every superhero needs superpowers, and I, I'm I'm just telling you, one of the best superpowers that you can possess is the ability to just do what I said, and that's X-ray right past uh, all all of those preconceptions. Um, and, and to put it another way, you, you, you've got to be able to see right through your own motives, your goals and ambitions, predictions and prejudice. 
uh, and and perhaps the French humanist photographer uh, Henry Cartier-Bresson said it best. Uh, he said, "Quote: Everyone has got some preconceptions, but you have to readjust them in front of reality. Reality has the last word." End quote. I just love that. You got to leave all your preconceptions as a teacher at home, or do your best to overcome them completely. That's really, really important. It's a superpower that effective teachers have. They just absolutely have. You know, I would encourage you to learn to expect the unexpected in our field. You know, again, don't be in the business of crystal balling your students, your colleagues, your profession, or even yourself as being capable of this or not capable of that. You can't see the future or what those around you will or will not accomplish including yourself. So don't even try. Don't even try. Don't live in the world of preconceptions and just, I, I, I know how it's all going to end because you don't. You don't. And the ability to look past and through those things, um, it, it's it's so important to effective teaching. And right now you're like, well, now wait, Matt, I I have 30 years of experience. I'm pretty much able to tell you how most students will perform or what will happen when it comes to education. That has to be good for something. And I've talked about experience before and how important it is. And it is. It's incredibly valuable. I've got a lot of experience myself. But if you lose touch with the fact that every student is an individual and education is certainly a dynamic profession, you're not going to be effective. And that's just true. That's just true. Use that experience that you have to better help your students achieve success. And one of the biggest reasons experience is an asset is that it offers perspective. This experience perspective allows veteran teachers uh, stability as the inevitable waves of education ebb and flow. And if you also mix in the strong abilities of self-reflection and emotional intelligence, you have the recipe to be a pretty dang good teacher. I mean, think about it. If you can become that teacher that has all that experience, so that means perspective, you have incredible abilities in self-reflection and emotional intelligence. Man, I mean, you were armed with so many incredible qualities that, I, I mean, you're so valuable to your kids and to your profession. And that's where you really need to aim to be. You know, have you ever looked at your roster at the beginning of the year and noticed you have one of those troublemakers for the entire year? You're like, whoa. And you label them as a troublemaker. You know, maybe that dread sets in instantly. You know, and looking at it objectively, do you see how, you know, that child's past is stuck to him like a ball and chain? I mean, think about it. And we've all probably looked at our role or roster and seen that we've got that kid. But I want you to you know, step into that empathetic role for just a minute and, and see how those preconceptions are pinned to a kid and, and and like a ball and chain. You know, he or she has a strike against him before, you know, a single day in your classroom. You know, even if you've taught a student before, you have to let the past go because it's essential for learning. Every student deserves a fresh start. Things change and people grow. And you got to give them a chance to do just that. On the first day of school, I tell my students that I don't care how they've performed in the past or how many discipline issues they've had. In my class, they get a fresh start, and that's guaranteed. You owe them that 
And their learning absolutely depends on it. And I know, I get a lot of pushback from teachers who are like, well, but you forget the other side of the coin, and that's that if you know a kid and there's been a proven history for kids um, and what works and what doesn't work, well, that's true to a point. But if you always treat a kid the same way, how is there evidence of growth or how will you know if growth is ever happening? You know, you got to give a kid a fresh start. You have to. No matter what. And that works on both ends because it's absolutely true for that historic star performer. You know, or siblings of former students, dumb jocks, uh, band nerds, and any other population that we try to label. You got to let all those perceptions go. Particularly, you know, I mentioned star, star students. You know, those, those students that never seem to struggle. I, you know, in, in the past, well, inevitably, um, those, those kids... You know, that first time they, they face academic adversity, um, that will stretch them a little bit. Sometimes uh, that can really affect them, and other times uh, they, they, they grow to new heights of learning. But no matter what, that academic adversity is necessary for learning to happen. You know, and I, I see a lot of that teaching high-level science electives. A lot of times kids will get to me, and these are historically high performers, a lot of them, and they'll get to me, and, and, and I will uh, push them, you know, in a healthy way as I talk about, but I do push them. And those star students, you can't, you can't just simply um, label them as, you know, above help or above, you know, making mistakes and all those kinds of things. You have to let that go. And treat them like students. And by assuming that they're great students all the time or assuming that they're going to be successful with everything you give them, uh, that can lead you down just a slippery slope. And with other groups, you know, that I mentioned, same thing, you know, jocks, assuming that they're dumb. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, you know, just assuming that uh, a jock or an athlete doesn't prize academics for the sake of academics. Uh, that's insane. Um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, um, I had a, uh, an athlete just come up to me, uh, give me a big old hug just out of the blue. And I, I was kind of taken aback by it because, um, you know, it's a student that had not necessarily, um, just, just been killing my class. Um, and I'd been on the individual pretty, pretty hard about, uh, you know, just, just taking ownership and, and staying motivated and keeping a positive attitude. And he thanked me for everything. I guess I just didn't really expect that because honestly, we're still in the early stage of kind of battling and hammering out through some of those battles, that academic adversity that I talked about. And it kind of caught me off guard. But it was rewarding to know that he had already responded to some of the challenges and appreciated it. That showed a level of maturity that kind of took me off surprise, so maybe, or a little bit by surprise. So maybe, um, you know, here I am talking about preconceptions. Maybe it shouldn't have taken me by surprise. You know, and and don't want to be hypocritical. I mean, we all do those things, and 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 the less that we can kind of. You know, preconceive that this is going to happen or that's going to happen or crystal ball it, as I say, the better off we're going to be. Um, and I mentioned former siblings. Boy, we talk about Apple not falling far from the tree when it talk, when we're talking about parents and kids. But man, have you, I, I know how many times have you had those siblings? You know, you get the 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 the, the, 
the sibling that's academically, you know, quote unquote perfect. And, and then you get the other one and, and it's just so different or vice versa or that, you know, one's quiet and the one's other one's, a, you know, the middle of the discipline trouble every time, you know, you, you don't want to, you, you don't want to live in that world of, of saying they're, you know, they're going to be alike or predicting that they're going to be alike. In fact, I'll just be honest with you. And this may be still uh prediction the other direction, but I just automatically assume that siblings are going to be completely different. I just, I just do. Um, and, and not surprised when it turns out to be true or not true. So um, just something to be thinking about, you know, again, all of these different groups, they're individuals and they need you to lead them. Um, you know, stars will occasionally fail and siblings are inevitably different and you need, need to seriously avoid stereotyping them, athletes or any population for that matter. And while you're in the business of killing preconceptions, you need to go ahead and kill those that center around your own limitations. And I mentioned that in the intro. You know, oftentimes we underestimate ourselves. And honestly, this mentality can be detrimental to our success. Not only at work, by the way, but in our lives, you know, in, in our personal lives and things beyond school. Don't, don't just underestimate yourself. I mean, it's just, it's detrimental. You know, everyone has strengths and weaknesses, but if you use those as an excuse to avoid growing as a person and as a teacher, you're reducing your effectiveness. And I know I discuss all the time, um, but if you close your mind to learning as a teacher, um, you're a hypocrite. I know that sounds like a pretty strong indictment, perhaps, in the past. When I'm feeling not as bad as I am right now, I would have sugarcoated that a little bit and then said, you know, you need to keep a growth mindset and all of those kinds of things, um, or however else I put it. But honestly, you're a teacher. And if you close your mind to um, growing and learning, I mean, it's just that's hypocritical. And as an educator, aren't you supposed to model teaching and learning? So instead, focus on getting better every day as opposed to possessing some preconceived notion of what you're capable of achieving or aren't capable of achieving. Don't be scared to push a few boundaries and take a few risks. You know, don't. I think it's important. And then once you feel like you have your mind wrapped around all this concept, I want you to, I want you to, you know, self-reflect on a few questions. I really do. And occasionally, I, you know, I give you kind of these self-reflection tests at the end of these episodes. And I want to do the same for you. I want you to self-reflect whenever you're ready, whenever you've digested this notion that, you know, I'm not going to crystal ball students or myself anymore. I'm going to try to go beyond that. I want you to think about answering these questions. Why did you want to be a teacher? Do you teach for a job or because you're trapped financially? Is it more about income than outcome for you? Do you possess a growth mindset or are you more focused on being comfortable? How much confidence do you have in your ability to teach and facilitate a classroom effectively? How much innovation, expertise, and professionalism do you bring into the classroom? Or should we just get the Google machine or a babysitter to come in and lead your classroom? Do you play favorites? Do you truly put kids first? Are you primarily successful with certain kinds of populi- populations while underserving others? 
do you invest in all your students? I want you to self-reflect on those questions. I really do. I really do. And I really want you to self-reflect on all of them relative to the first question. The first question I asked you is, why do you want to be a teacher? Or why did you want to be a teacher? If it's been a few years since you made that choice. And then see how the answers to those other questions, you know, jive or correspond to the way that you answered that first question. Let me go through them one more time for you. So again, why do you want to be a teacher? And how does that compare to these questions? Do you teach for a job or because you're trapped financially? Is it more about income than outcome for you? Meaning, is it more about the money than the outcome of the students? Do you possess a growth mindset or are you more focused on being just comfortable? How much confidence do you have in your ability to teach and facilitate a classroom effectively? How much innovation, expertise, and professionalism do you bring into the classroom? Or should we just hire Google and a babysitter? Do you play favorites? Do you truly put kids first? And are you primarily successful with certain kinds of populations while underserving others? Do you invest in all your students? Meaning, do you play favorites? And as you self-reflect on those questions, I want you to ask yourself, are you pleased with your answers? And I hope that you will be. I really do. Because these are fundamental questions that should help you understand your own preconceptions, motivations, actions, and practices when it comes to your role as a classroom leader. It really does. It really does. You have to be able to x-ray right through it all to better understand who you are as a person, your beliefs, and your values. That in turn will better prepare you to kind of meet the challenges of education and the needs of a diverse range of students on a daily basis. In other words, I don't truly believe you can be an effective teacher if all these preconceptions serve as a ball and chain for you because that in turn keeps students from learning. And that's just unacceptable. And that's unacceptable to any high-level, high-effective, high-quality teacher. It just is. It just is. Well, look, that is it for this week's episode. Um, please join us next week for episode number 25, Yield Occasionally to Your Own Needs. In the meantime, go ahead and make sure that you're liking and commenting and subscribing. Uh, go ahead and buy the books on Amazon.com if you'd like. Keep emailing me. It's always good to hear from you. Until next week, I'll see you down the road.